Hello and welcome to Faking Wits, a book club podcast in which I sit down with some very good friends and we talk about a book that we have read. My name is Xin Si and let's get up. Has this joke run its course? Why don't you write to fakingitpodcast at gmail.com? Let us know your thoughts. Maybe we should retire this bit entirely. Um, and I'll, I'll take it on board. Who's joining me today? Oh, hello. Uh, my name is Haran X. And actually, recently, my northern friend, Francesca, bought an automobile for her baby cow. It was Fran's calf car. How was, um, how, how do you get the Franz Kafka car to run? What does it run on? Uh, it runs on a sense of alienation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, and do, do and you power it yourself? Fun? You power it yourself then. You connect it to yourself, your own sense of self. Yeah. But you can't, you can't transport anybody in it because that gets rid of the sense of alienation. <laughs> so you always have to travel by yourself. You can never give anybody a list. Essentially, yeah. It's got, okay. it's got five seats. I mean, I'm, and what colour does the Franz Kafka usually Pardon? come in? What colour does the Franz Kafka come in? Uh, black. Yeah. Black car. Yeah. Okay, all right. That satisfied my curiosity <laughs> about the Franz Kafka. No further questions, Your Honour. <laughs> Hello. I'm glad, we had, I'm glad that we had that chat about what order we were going to go in beforehand. Uh... Yeah, no, Slick. Hello, I'm back. It's Ben. It's Ben! Our good friend, Ben Lan Conlon, joining us today. How have you been, Ben? Uh, very well. I also uh, re- uh, have got a friend who uh, bought a car for cows. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's a strange coincidence. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, they've they chosen to, as well as cows, they will, they, well, no, in fact, they don't like cows. I don't like cows. So either. they're actually, they're taking their friends, Rupert, uh, Paddington, Winnie, that it, it's their all bear car moo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, um, how does the all bear car, car moo run? What does that run on? Um, uh, well, whatever's to hand. So a lot of honey, um, okay. marmalade sandwiches. Uh, just whatever the bears have. Right. And what colours are they coming? Uh, it's sort of, um, yellow with a kind of black check. Okay. All right. All right. Black check. Yep. Yeah. That's that. Find my curiosity <laughs> once again. Good. Thank you. Thank you. No further questions. Hi, guys. Uh, Fitzgerald Hungry's back. Um, hey. it's a, I'm now a retired wallpaper salesman. So that's. You're retired? I'm retired now. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Wait, wait, wait. I mean, Okay, I'll be honest with you. It didn't sound like you were uh, doing that well. You were basically giving your services out for free. A bit rude, but... Um, <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is. I'm a guest in your house and on your podcast. That's true. Actually, I apologize. Yeah, it's all right. No, it's fine. Um, I don't have a friend who's got cows or bears that transports them in weirdly named vehicles, but I'll look out for one in the future. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, yeah, I feel a bit left out of this whole, like, um... um Animal transportation yes. system that Ben and Haran seem to set up themselves. Um, really specific as well. Like, um, like, you can't transport any other animal in that car. Uh, no, you can't. No. Uh, has to be like baby cows. Yeah. Okay. How many baby cows does that fit? 
Well, just one because this says vacation, mm, right? So that's very yeah. true. That's very true. And you've got at least what four, five bears in America? Uh, six. Okay. Uh, so the ones I mentioned, plus there are these three others, as a sort of mum, dad, and a baby. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Does it get a bit rowdy in that car? It has to be a big car to fit all those uh, those bears in there. Uh, it is, yeah. They, uh, it's it's pretty big, but that's good because um, you can, you know, pack everything you need. Uh, you go down to the beach, bring mm-hmm. your shotgun. Okay, great. Okay. Is this? Um, so tell me, is 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 this a stupid car or? No, I think it's a very intelligent car. Okay, it's, it's... all right. I I I I think I, it sounds like a bit of a stupid car. Um, no offense. Well, it's not a no smart offense. car because that would be too small. That's true. That's true. Um, so what about curvy? What's the what's the? Give me an example of a stupid car. A stupid car. Um, clown cars. Clown cars are notoriously stupid cars. They, yeah. don't, they don't work. They don't work well. I think they work really well. They're packing. Yeah, quite exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're quite yeah. efficient. Yeah, yeah. efficient. Uh, is, have you ever tried traveling in one of those things? I want to. It's it's really unpleasant. It's like they they just pack them in. It's not really convenient for anybody involved. And also, do you know how like it doesn't even house all those clowns in it? They yeah. they it's a trick. They go through a trap door on the in the floor. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. They're actually not carrying those clowns in that tiny car. It's just they're all hidden away. Underground spoilers. That's a stupid us. car, and also Fred Flintstone's car. That's a stupid car. Really? Tot- yeah, totally defies the point of having a car if you have to use your feet. The braking system on that thing, and also the, the, the wheels—they're just stone. Like it's really hard. Why, you, no why are you debunking cars? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, um, we have. It's important that we get across the idea of um, clever cars and stupid cars. What about Kit? From Knight Rider. Oh, that's a very clever car. That car can talk. Huh? That car can talk. They said, and it has a personality. They yeah. said, let's make this car really top of the line, advance with all these weapons, and then give it the most sarcastic personality ever. Um, I can talk back and make light of your requests as you ask it to just drive, really. Something yeah. which they later brought back in the uh, in the kids' TV show, Brum. Oh, mm. was was Brum sarcastic? It was mute, wasn't it? Could he talk? No, but you know, you got a sort of sense of sarcasm from like the headlamps. Oh, yeah, of, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. sarcastically. I don't know, I don't know, like um, about you, but I, I'd, I'd love it if all my, um, my, my smart gadgets, um, were some somewhat sarcastic, you know, like um, especially my toilet. Oh, come back to piss in my mouth again, have you? Oh, I love it. It's my favorite job in the whole world. Um. <laughs> Because like it would feel so satisfying to take a shit in that thing after it's like giving you a bit of lip, you know. Absolutely, have it next to your ironic B day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, that as well. It's like what you got something to say? Wash my ass. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Books. Today <laughs> is French. It's French, I think. It is. Yeah. What a great segue! <laughs> what a great segue into uh, today's book, which is um, well. It is The Three Musketeers by Alexandre Dumas. Um, now, I think this is one of those books where everybody got some sort of um, relationship to it by virtue of the fact that it's become part of the, um, uh, the cultural landscape. Um, even if you haven't actually read the book, which obviously we all have, obviously. but Many even times. if you hadn't read the book, you would know what I was talking about if I mentioned The Three Musketeers. Like, just... Off the top of your head, going around the table, I say the words, three musketeers. What's the first thing that pops into your head? Gary Barlow. <laughs> Gary Barlow. Yeah. It's, 
not necessarily to do three months of tears, but that was the first thing <laughs> as soon as you said that word. It's like, to you, that's the first thing that pops into your head, no matter what anyone says. Like, yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Gary Barlow. Okay. Well, why was Gary Barlow so close to your thoughts at that? I'm always wondering why didn't Gary Barlow become the popular one and Robbie Williams did. That's a good point, actually. I mean, he. I think Gary Barlow's had the last laugh, though, hasn't he? Because like, where's Robbie Williams now? Hollywood, I think. Mm. I, really? Yeah. I thought he was dead. No, he opened for um, Vladimir Putin. At the Olympics, yeah, yeah. did didn't, didn't, didn't he kill himself recently? Well, really? Yeah, well, Robin Williams. Ah, oh, that's it. Yeah, sorry, I got confused. Yeah, oh no, no, that makes total sense why um, Robin Williams is more popular than Gary Barlow. It's more talented, first of all. Robbie Williams, uh, give or, I, I can take or leave Robbie, quite frankly. That's what I'm saying. Why Gary Barlow the more and he's from Newcastle, so <laughs> it's true. Wasn't he, wasn't he meant to be the cool one though? Robbie Williams. Yeah. Yeah, he was the bad boy. Okay. So in many ways, Robbie is kind of like the Porthos of, uh, take that. If, if the three musketeers were all subdivided in two as well, and each member of take that was meant to represent one whole musketeer by combining those two elements together. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. yeah. There you go. Porthos is the largely portly fellow, right? With, um. Yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Porthos was the big one. The big, big one. one. Yeah. 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 So that's what you think of the first time that, like, um, I mentioned the three musketeers, Porthos. Porthos, yes. Yes, exactly. Correct. You see, we got there in the end. Yes. We got there in the end. I think that's my mind works in different ways. Yeah. And you're the only one that can really kind of piece I, it together. I, well, I, I, I think I've got, I, I have a way, I have a way of figuring out what people mean when they talk about books. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ben, what was your first thought when I mentioned the three musketeers? All for one. One for all. Whoa. There we go. So we all know it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't even know why it's there. Like, I know. It's just, it's just like it feels like I've been born with that knowledge always in my in my head. It's such a such a um, heartening phrase as well. One for all, for one. That sort of idea. Uh, this is a book about friendship, isn't it? Like I always think about the three musketeers hanging out together uh, and being buddies, um, even though there's four of them. That's always, that's always weird, isn't it? It's called the three musketeers, but there's clearly four of them, right? Yeah. yeah well, well, this is sort of... So I think we should... Uh, I, I don't want to jump in before Harren's had a chance to say what he thinks about with Musketeers, but what you just said reminds me of sort of my... <laughs> the way I think we should summar- summarise the early plot of this book. Ah, yeah. Of course, of course. Um, which basically, it's... There are the three Musketeers. Yes. Uh, Athos, Porthos, Aramis, mm-hmm. and D'Artagnan turns up, the fourth one, mm-hmm. as he said, the fourth musketeer. And he basically says, Hey, three musketeers, can I join you? And they're like, We're the three musketeers. It's in the name, really. It's yeah. in the name. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, but look at me, I've got all the skills, I could be a musketeer. Right. right. And they're like, Yeah, but we're the three musketeers. It's like a band type of like, yeah. Like, I think literally at one point, um, Aramis takes out a copy of the book, The Three Musketeers. So yeah. That's what it says in the title. There's three of us. Now fuck off. Right. And D'Artagnan's like, yeah, but we could be like the four musketeers because I'm a fourth person. And they're like, yeah, but we're the three musketeers. It's not getting it. Yeah. It's, it's not getting it. <laughs> can't you count? Can't you count, you idiot? And then. It's basically a maths textbook, this yeah. book. <laughs> it's literally um, four people arguing about whether they should be a threesome or a foursome. Quite. It's how the Beatles got started as well, you know. It's like uh, um, George, they're like, oh, let's call, let's call, let's call ourselves like um, the four guys. Yeah. So now we're called the Beatles, and there's only three of us. Yeah. 
leave now. You can leave. And then Pete Best had a heart attack. Uh, Ringo joined. And John said, oh, look, if, you, if you're letting that guy join, you might as well let me join. And John and Paul said, oh, fine. And they became the Beatles. Uh, so that's how it started. I didn't know that. History. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm full of, like, I'm a fountain of Beatles knowledge. Like, sure. uh, I am a Beatle maniac. I grew up with the Beatles. Uh, not literally, um, spiritually. Yeah. Um, but I know everything there is to know about the Beatles. So, like, You're an entomologist. Um, <laughs> see, that's a clever joke. See, I, I, I'm like, uh, I, I, I like that. I like that. Um, but, um, no, but seriously, I oh, know sorry. about the Beatles. Okay. okay. Don't, don't joke about that. Sorry. I don't like people joking about my knowledge of the Beatles. Um, that's good. So you think about that phrase and you think about the fact that there were three of them, but not four of them. And, um, I, uh, try not to get too hung up about the title. Let's just go with it. Um, trust us. It makes sense in the end. Um, so, Harren, what do you think of when um, I think of the Three Musketeers? Yeah, no, I've got a similar vein of thought to um, ben. Ben, ben here, yes, on, yeah. Ben, <laughs> uh, what's that? i my friend, but I mean, that's, that's good enough, isn't it? What's that? Don't need to know your first name. Uh, no, I think of the, um, I think of the, the electronic uh, music uh, artist or artists. Artist. Uh, uh, Fortet. Because ah. you would think, oh, there's four people in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just one. DJ. That's very true. So it's the same with Three Musketeers. You think, oh, it's just three people, but it's, it's four. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really want to get too hung up on the whole numbers issue yeah. here, right? Um, but what is the significance in the book being called The Three Musketeers when it's clearly about D'Artagnan? I think it just underlies his... Uh, his desire to be part, and, and but the fact that he'll, even when he then, spoilers, joins the group, he's still something of an outsider. Mm, that's yeah. interesting. I, I I had my own take on this as well, like um, how the number three relates to it, because what were the three principles of the revolution? They were liberté, fraternité, and um, what was the last From one? From us free. That was the tenets of the, um, that's why you have those three colours, uh, the red represents fraternity. Uh, wow. uh, the blue represents liberty, and the white represents fromage frais. Yeah. Because fromage frais is made from milk, which is white. Yeah. Um, and I think the three musketeers are very much in line with those three uh, uh, columns of thoughts. You got Porthos. Well, actually, it's Aramis is uh, represents fraternity because he's religious, using brotherhood. Uh, and you got Athos. He represents liberty because he's like the hothead. Um, and he's the one who also had uh, a used to be married to the antagonist in this um, story, Milady, Milady. Uh, and then you've got uh, Porthos, who represents Fromage Frey because he's fat yeah. and he loves eating cheese. Like he's like that that mouse in Chippendale Rescue Rangers. That's how I envisioned um, Porthos yeah. in this. But um, so we got those three pillars of the revolution, and this story is obviously set years and years ago. In fact. Um, D- Dumas wrote this based and was inspired to write this by going over old historical do- do- documents which mention the three musketeers by name, Porthos, Aramis, Athos, and D'Artagnan. And it was actually... So four people you just yeah. That's true, actually. Well, you know, you know what I mean by when I say three... It's I mean, explain what you mean, though. Yeah. Some people might be confused. Well, I, th- I think I think that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I think the point I was trying to make was that D'Artagnan's journals formed what were the inspiration for uh, Three Musketeers. Uh, and Alexandre Dumas came across these um, papers as he was um, traveling through Paris and was so inspired, he wrote this story based on real-life historical figures. And so all these people were already long dead by the time Dumas actually... Are you saying writing. that Dumas was ripping off 
plagiarism. story. Plagiarism. Yeah, plagiarism. plagiarism. I mean, yeah, but these people are all dead and, like, you know, plagiarism laws being what they were. I mean, he, he even, he borrows, like, he was writing about real life historical figures at the time, like Cardinal Richelieu, Louis Fourteenth, and, um, Felton, who's based on John Felton, the man who, um, assassinated the Duke of Buckingham. So they're all kind of realistic historical figures. And I think, like, one of the fun parts of The Three Musketeers is that it's, um, one of the first works of historical fiction. And borrowing liberally from real life events and using it to make this swashbuckling adventure. Um, that's another weird thing. They're musketeers, but they use swords. I don't know why. I you, mean, got, you don't like swords? I mean, I mean, I just assume they just be like, you know, hitting each other with the heads of muskets yeah. and stuff, you know. Hitting. And, yeah, clobbering. Not shooting. Yeah. Not shooting. Just no. clobbering each other over the head with their muskets. Like, I mean, how else are you going to have a duel with muskets? The musket, I guess. Well, you can get the, the musket balls out and throw each other. Out. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you can put, put them in a little, little sling. Yeah. Put them in a sling. Or like, shoot them like, in the pea shoots at yeah. each other. Like, but look, that, that, that's beside the point. There's a lot of sword play in this book, which surprised me when I go... When what I get, type of sword play? Well, you know. <laughs> well, save it, save it for later. Boy, save it for later. But... I, you know what I mean by sword play. Proper they get lads, though, innit? Yeah. It's proper lads. We, we know we're lads. <laughs> when we say stuff like that, we're lads. It's, we you read know books, what? but we're lads. <laughs> this is the most laddish book I could possibly ever hope to do. Well, I think, I think that sort of answers the question of why they are using swords when they could be using muskets and you'd expect them to use muskets, is that swords are so much cooler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Not more phallic. Uh, I mean, you say tomato. <laughs> I say... Why are you saying tomatoes? I, I'd um, argue like muskets yeah. are more phallic than swords because swords don't have something that shoot out the end. When you, you get a sword out of a sheath. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty phallic and sexual. Or don't if, you, if you care about safe sex, then it is very good. But, but that's the whole point. Of, you're taking it out of the sheath to use it. Like, yeah, but that's what a lad would do. Yeah, it? yeah, it's <laughs> my lads. I'm a lad. We have a savage lads. Are you saying, is this your way of saying, Harren, that you like to keep your, your genitals in a sock like uh, before you, you use it? Yeah, that's, that's a contraceptive thing, right? But, you, but you, shouldn't you keep it in if huh? you're going to use it, if it's um, a contraceptive thing? Uh, no, I keep it there to, to warm it up to kill the sperm. Ah, that's what okay, I hang out okay. with because it's cooler outside okay. the body. Yeah. But wait, hold on a second. I thought, like, so you, you make your sperm in your penis, not in your balls. Well, so it's a long sock, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's pretty long. Sorry, I don't doubt your story for a second, Harry. I just want to get the details correct in my head. Um, I, so as we know, we, this is a very lavish story. It's a lavish story. And who's the, who's the enemy in this book? Cardinal. That's one. Cardinal Sin. Yeah. Well, Cardinal Richelieu, technically, but yeah, um, that's true. But like, uh, I was thinking more about the, the main antagonist. Milady. Milady. Milady, exactly. Uh, well, yeah. This is, well, let, let me put it this way. Yeah. Let me put it this way. So, one of the main through lines of this book is that Milady is a spy. She's working for Cardinal Richelieu, and Richelieu is essentially trying to use Milady to start a war between France and Britain. Um, and the way that they're getting this done and how Milady gets a lot of work done is basically through the art of, the fine art of seduction. Now, um, I mean, this is, is something to be said about Milady as being uh, a female character in this world. Obviously, doesn't she has a certain amount of status, but she's obviously like um, still a woman in a man's world. So the only way that she can seem to get ahead in this world is by using her feminine wiles. It's pretty much a cliche of a genre. I think she's one of the first femme fatales, if you will. 
But like, let's, it's not enough that she's the antagonist and that she's a spy and that she, um, she uses her sex to, uh, uh, seduce the men. She's also Athos's ex-wife. That's kind of awkward. Mm. And she, um, she's, well, kind of like, she seduces everyone she meets. And at one point, um, D'Artagnan, in a bid to fool her, pretends that he is the Comte de Ward and sleeps with Milady, who only discovers that he isn't who he says that he is after they've had sex and then promptly tries to kill him. Um, this is an incredibly problematic thing because at this point, like, I don't think it's cool if you put on a mask and pretend to be somebody else uh, and try to have sex with somebody. That's kind of rape, isn't it? That's essentially rape. It's like not presumed. Well, because that famous legal case, isn't it, where somebody tried to burgle somebody, and that woman thought that the burglar was her husband, and then slept with him, and then it transpired it wasn't. I oh, question the use of the word famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody else did in this case. Oh, fair enough. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I think this is a legal test, isn't it? It's usually used as an example of like what is we meant we mean by informed consent exactly yeah. yeah but like at what point like um you have a duty essentially if you're if you're trying to get somebody to sleep with you by pretending to be somebody else you can't say that, that consent was informed yeah. and if you are mistaken for somebody else then you have an obligation to say i'm not that person um otherwise you are basically tricking somebody into having sex and that's not that's yeah, you're going down a very, very tricky road there. And I think D'Artagnan as... Well, yeah, this is a product of its time, obviously. Um, but D'Artagnan, as the hero of this book, essentially tricks Milady into sleeping with him. Um, and um, I think Milady's totally justified in trying to kill him afterwards. Uh, so if, if a woman had sex with John Travolta from the film Face Off... Mm-hmm. But it turns out it was actually Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So you were saying that's rape legally. I mean, obviously, because as we all know, Face Off was a documentary um, where in which Tron Travolta and Nicolas Cage actually did swap faces and lived with each other for a while mm. um, and then swapped back. And John, and John Travolta actually did die um, um, during the making of that documentary, unfortunately. Mm. Um, we don't actually, actually, I'm not even sure if he did. I don't think we ever really landed on who was wearing whose face when they filmed that death scene. It could have been Nicolas Cage. We don't know. He's still making movies. Yeah, but like, that's no... Where is John Travolta John making movies <laughs> as Nicolas Cage? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be It could be just Nicolas Cage playing both roles. He has got range. Maybe John Tra- range. Maybe they fell out during the filming of that film and John Travolta has been subsequently trying to ruin Nicolas Cage's reputation. <laughs> that would make so much more reputation. sense. Yeah, the natural films, yeah. I think yeah. he's... I mean, he, I mean, if that's... If we believe that theory, then like, he's kind of doing the same to his own career as well. I mean, both of them, their trajectory after Face Off has been remarkable for so many poor choices being taken from both of them. Um, I mean, from, from my point of view, I think it's um, John Travolta, probably it would make more sense for John Travolta to want to kill Nicolas Cage and steal his face and steal his pers- personality just to escape Scientology. Right? I think he's like, um, in, in um, he's basically owes Scientology. They own him. So what better way to get out of Scientology than to steal another actor's face and pretend to be them? Uh, yeah, Nicholas Cage would be that I would have chosen to. Yeah. Absolutely. He would have been my first pick yeah, as well. Yeah. Nicholas Cage seems like a stable guy, yeah. like, no money problems whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a foolproof plan. Um, but going back to your point, Aaron, yes, I don't think it would be nice for, 
uh, John Travolta that pretends to be Nicolas Cage and yeah. then try to sleep with Nicolas Cage's wife. So you're saying D'Artagnan's a, a, a rapierist and also a rapist? Absolutely, yeah. um, absolutely. I think this is um, this is the bit. I never. I mean. I don't think there's much excuse for what he does. I mean, even though Milady is the villain of the piece. Um, Are you saying that uh, the Richard Curtis film, The Boat That Rocked, is actually an adaptation of The Three Musketeers? And now you're going to have to like uh, summarise what The Boat That Rocked is about, because I've never seen that film. Um, so basically, uh, you probably won't see it repeated much in the mo- uh, uh, anymore, because it's basically about a group of radio DJs from the 60s who took advantage of young women. Oh, wow. Um, okay. With well, hilarious consequences. Wait, oh, wait, is that wait, one wait. where they go on a boat and they do the yeah. radio show? Okay. Yeah. Was one of those radio DJs Jimmy Savile? No, they were all fictionalised. Oh, okay. But was one um, of them clearly based on I Jimmy Savile? I don't Savile? think so. Okay. But, um, but there is a scene in which this exact thing happens where uh, one of the DJs is trying to do a favour for his mate. Oh my god! So he seduces a woman that he knows that his mate wants to sleep with, and then suggests that they swap places at the last minute. Wait, are you trying to tell me that the boat that rocked is essentially like if somebody watched that scene in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia about the implication and decided that would actually make a good movie? So you're going to have to explain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a classic bit of It's Summer Sunday in Philadelphia where Dennis uh, has a plan to uh, basically use a boat that they've newly acquired to um, get the ladies, basically. And he says his rationale and thinking is that once you get the ladies out there in the boat in the middle of the sea, of course they're going to want to sleep with you because they're not going to say no because of the implication. And Max says, what is the implication? So that things might go wrong for her. <laughs> when she, like, that, uh, she's in the middle of the sea and there's nobody to help her. And Max says, that sounds really dark. And Dennis says, no, they're not in danger because like, they're not going to say no because of the implication. <laughs> and essentially the boat that rocks sounds like somebody took that scenario that Dennis laid out. Slightly and different, but. It turns a feature length movie. Like, what are they going to do on this boat? Say no? Of course not. I'm a famous radio DJ. I think we've gone down a, a tangent. <laughs> I think time's up. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think so. But, um, that sounds, I, I don't know if Doug Tanning is necessarily the same as the, the radio DJs on the boat that rocked, because he's not doing it on the boat. He's doing it right there on the, uh, in a castle. But, um, yeah, the, the, the tag teaming element, the disguise element, I'm not sure about that. It sounds like a, it sounds like you wouldn't want to do that. It sounds like you are pretending to be somebody else and trying to get somebody to sleep with you under false pretenses. So the verdict is coming down as severely not cool. Severely not cool. Yeah, it's not cool. It's like, this is a different time. I don't think this has stood up very well. And in fact, depending, I don't, I know that I didn't actually stipulate before the show which version, which uh, translation you should read, fellas. But, uh, if you read the, uh, original, um, 19th century, uh, translation, um, which I believe was uh, translated by uh, a man named Jeffrey Barrow. Hold on a second. Let me double check that. William Barrow, um, who translated it in 1846. Good job you checked that because we, we'd have got letters. Yeah. We, yes, um, I, I always try to make, remain steadfast in my research on sure. these things. Um, so, so his name is Will Barrow. William Barrow. <laughs> Will Barrow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, all right, calm down, calm down. Stop, stop, stop touching yourself, Aaron. 
Stop touching yourself. I don't like it when you do that to puns. Um, William Barrow translated in 1846, um, and a lot, it's received a lot of criticism. Um, it's faithful, fairly faithful to the original, and it's the one that like um, is probably the most well known of the translations because it's the one that's used as the Oxford World's Classics um, edition. Um, but it's kind of battleized. They uh, Barrow kind of excises a lot of the romping, a lot of the violence, and definitely that sex scene with like Milady is rendered nearly incomprehensible uh, because uh, he does not go into details as to what D'Artagnan and Milady are actually doing. But anybody with um, a certain degree of uh, a wherewithal could work it out. But um, it's a, uh, a more modern translation, and the one that I read, I'm not sure if you read this one, by uh, Richard Pevere, uh, came out in 2006. He kind of criticizes Barrow's work, um, saying that, like, okay, it was fine for its time, but it's a great example of um, bad translation practices, which um, gives the readers an extremely distorted notion of Dumas' writing. And I think he doesn't capture the uh, the, the more bawdy elements in the books. Did you find that in your reading in the versions that you read? Well, the the version that I read um, well, read uh, the, the version I engaged with also uh, took out the more bawdy, sort of rompy elements, but I think it kept the kernel of what uh, Dumas' intention behind the book was, and the whole feeling. Um, so I uh, only really uh, watched the 90s CBBC cartoon Albert the Fifth Musketeer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even have the same title as the book. No. Um, so but again, musketeers now. more Musketeers. There's mm-hmm. five of them now. Doesn't seem like it'd be a very faithful adaptation of the book. But y- you'd think, but you know, I think when Albert crams some spaghetti into the end of his musket. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti, that French dish. Spaghetti. Yeah, that well-known French dish, spaghetti. Yeah. Um, I think that says more about what Dumas was trying to do with this novel than old wheelbarrow over there. What was Dumas trying to do with Three Musketeers, do you think? Well, as we've already discussed, it's a, um, it's a story of fraternity, of brotherhood, mm-hmm. of friendship. Mm-hmm. And... What is there to friendship beyond just getting covered in bolognese together? That's a good point, actually. Like, you so can't fun. you can't get covered in bolognese as a group and not come out bonded. bonded. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. mm. it's sticky. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you know all about like um, yeah, adhesives. Let's not go there. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Court cases, all that. Stuff. All right. I was, I was referring to your old war business. Yeah, yeah. We all know what you're. Is that still a sore subject? I mean, I, I know you've retired now. I mean, you? I didn't realize how popular this um, podcast was because I got a lot of more attention, and not the type of attention I went, I needed to remain incognito. So, I mean, that's the main reason why I had to stop. I mean, that's, that, maybe the, one of the reasons why your business wasn't doing that well is because you had to keep it incognito. You had to keep so many secrets. I mean, you take the good or the bad, and I'd rather be outside, you know, enjoying the weather than inside the prison. So, uh, know, yeah, that's one. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah. I mean, what are you going to do next, I guess? Like, now that, like, I'm going to start another business. I'm a, I'm a tactile person. Okay, okay. You know, I always got something on the go. Entrepreneurship is one of my main skills and attributes. So, you know. I'm gonna be back on my feet. What do you? I mean, like to go from a, a, a not particularly well-known wallpaper. Uh, it was well-known. It was quite fun. 
Yeah. Well, it, we, we, I, th- I like to think we gave you a signal boost on the show, but um, yeah, it helped a bit. But like, where do you go? What will you use that experience for? Is it more sort of manual labor or another sort of industry? Uh, I think wallpaper is, is classified as a creative industry, but you know, okay, all we'll, right, sorry, we'll uh, with different definitions. As well. I, I, I don't know what I don't really know. I'm not an expert in that field, but it's nice clearly, to know. Um, I'm gonna go and probably into sales. Back something to do with sales, selling stuff. Okay, okay. you know, people always want things. That's true. I, I've noticed that in life. People always want things. So if I can give them things. Okay. I'll be, okay. I'll, I'll Here's an exercise for you. Sell me this pen. You already own the pen. So I think I've already <laughs> sold it to you. Oh, that's, that's good. good. That's good. good. That's that is good. good. That is good. So is that going to be your tactic for everything? Like, how, like telesales. Like, hello, have you got a minute of your time? I'd like to sell you like uh, something that you already own. So what's that? Your house. Boom. Manifested. I mean, commission. pretty bit. Bit better than what you just did, but oh, okay. Along those lines, let's let's. I'm gonna get things and I'm gonna sell them. Okay, let's role play a situation. Okay, Haran, take the role of the uh, homeowner who's just received a cold call from Fitz Telly Sales. Right. So beep 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 boop boop boop. Burp, burp. Hello. Hi. Um. This is Fitz. You might remember me from Wallpapers. Uh. Do you have anything that you want to buy? Um. Yeah, sense of happiness. I can sell you that. Oh, can you? I can sell you sense of happiness. Uh, how much is it going to cost? How much you got in your pocket right now? I've got um, two euros, a Deutschmark. Let's do it. Yeah, you take Deutschmark. Let's do it. Oh, brilliant. Okay, Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Let's do it. What's going to happen now is, you give me a dress. Yeah. I come around. Okay. You give me the money, and then I'll give you happiness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so there'll be a happy ending for this. Oh, story. you're going to be extremely happy. Okay. That's what you want, the sense of happiness, I'll give you that. Okay, I live in um, uh, 22 Bayham Avenue. Is this a real place, sir? Huh? <laughs> of course it's a fucking real place. We're kind of, yeah, don't doubt me. Well, Customer is always right. Let me Google, I'm going to Google map it. Okay, fine. Send the line, please. <laughs> All right, it checks out. It checks out. It checks out. Well, make sure that the, how much is it? How many euros? Huh? How many euros did you have? Uh, two euros. And then do- Deutsch. And the Deutschmark. Which is from, like, from like 1929, Weimar Republic kind of time. It's oh, a thing. That's something. Yeah. Yeah, no. We'll get this done. Yeah. We'll get it done. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, are you going to come down? Do you want to? I'll come eventually. There's <laughs> no time. Some line, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, um... Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, right. Couple of notes there. Um, Fitz. It didn't really, m- I think, what Haran's character was asking for and what th- you thought he was going to receive might have been different from what you were offering. I don't think so. Are you sure? I don't think so. Are you sure? I think you got, I think you got out Because it sounded like he wanted a hand job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, exactly I, 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 just, I just, I don't know whether it's genius that you don't stipulate at or specify what you're selling at all mm-hmm. or who you're working for mm-hmm. or what it's going to cost. I thought that the real business genius in that was you didn't say, hi, this is what I have to sell. Do you want it? You went, is there anything you want to buy? Yeah. Because then that gives you the power of just being like, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I have that to serve up. It's to like, imagine provide. if Amazon just called you up. So, like, do you have to buy something? So, what you got? Everything. Like, Amazon. Right. Like, and, oh, list them all for me. That would have been a good way to come down. Like, uh, and eventually you'll hit on something that they might want to buy. Be a long phone call, but I think. No, it's No, I'm appreciative to have such esteemed people around me to uh, give me these ideas for my future business. I mean, 
I, I, I was kind of impressed by the initial sales pitch of the pen. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think you have a great future in sales. Future. And you know, who, who knows? I might get back on wallpapers. It might be an uptrend and I might have to go back, you know. I so. thought you weren't going to go back in there because you, there were certain authorities yeah, after you. Years down the line, who knows? Okay. Who knows you're still looking for me? Okay. All right. I mean, maybe you just change your name, change your name. I think the name's a brand, really. So, okay, but like that does seem like you're opening yourself up to the name's like, a branch in it. The name's okay, name. all right, all right. I, I don't want to, I want to teach you how to do your job. Not what Jeez, I, I've got a client for you actually, Donald Trump. Wallpapers. wants to build a wall, so he like, does. It might be nice wallpaper, but that might never get actually built. Oh, if okay. it did, yeah, human call. Who's yeah. actually going to pay you for that though? The Mexicans. <laughs> all right, as long as I get paid, I don't really care where the money comes from. <laughs> how much have you got? Apparently, two euros in Deutschmark. So, <laughs> so if he's got two euros in a Deutschmark, I might. How <laughs> invested the time? I'm living large, time. living large. Um, well, I think we should get back to the book. Um, we were. Uh, I thought we hit, hit into an in, incredibly interesting um, scene there, a conversation, which is basically about the differences between men and women in the book. Do you feel that this book is positive in some ways as a war between the sexes? From the. Um from what I can re- recall, I'm going to say maybe. I think. <laughs> what do you recall? What do you recall? That there were men did all the work in terms of the fight and stuff. And then the women always were in the, um, damsel in distress. Besides the lady, mm-hmm. uh, you had, uh, D'Artagnan's love interest, whose name, uh, um, Constance. Constance, yeah. yeah. Who, uh, was it Constance? How do you pronounce that? Ben, how do you pronounce it? Uh, yeah, Constance. Okay. Yeah, She's right. always about, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, she was there, but I don't remember her doing much. Mm. She didn't have a sword or a musket. Well, it says a lot that the only truly memorable female character in this book is Milady. Yes. Um, she is a schemer. She is uh, manipulative. She's sexy. She's very smart. She knows what she wants. She knows what she wants, and for and she was um Athos's ex-wife, uh, prompting a lot of jokes about the like, oh ex-wives, ugh, hate them, hate them from Athos. Every other line is yes. like ugh. so. Maybe that's what um Damas was trying to go for. Really, that's that's what he wants to kind of portray. Duma. Duma. Oh, okay. Um, he wants to kind of portray you know i think he kind of predicted this kind of is it is it nice guy or fedora wearing thing like mm. yeah they well, have seen like, the hats they yeah they just have a lady and then uh, they kind of see you know women as this kind of like yeah. oh, evil powerful force it's true maybe I mean, he's predicting that it's true uh, it's it, there's an element of that um of uh, the fact that her name is actually milady as well like, yeah she's a, it's weird wasn't it yeah it is a bit weird i mean but like i i, and I can't I'm trying to pass out how Dumas actually feels about this character that he's created. Um, I'm going to read a passage here. Um, a great quote. To be a woman condemned to a wretched and disgraceful punishment is no impediment to beauty, but it is an insurmountable obstacle to power. Like all persons of real genius, her ladyship well knew what accorded with her nature and her means. Poverty disgusted her. Subjection deprived her of two thirds of her greatness. Her ladyship was only a queen amongst queens. The enjoyment of satisfied pride was essential to her sway. To command beings of an inferior nature was, to her, rather a humiliation than a pleasure. So, you know, like, it's, like, it seems to me that, like, she 
kind of like doesn't get up on the pal that much, really. Sorry, I didn't understand any of that because I don't speak French. <laughs> That's true. It, it doesn't really clip off the tongue in many ways. Um, but um, the point I was making in that passage is the idea of the relationship of a woman who is now given a sense of uh, power and command over people and how much she doesn't seem to like it. Uh, in some ways. Um, interesting dynamic there, isn't it? That is an interesting dynamic. I get the feeling that um, uh, Dumas is trying to write about the differences between men and women, like you said, uh, that in some ways men uh, seem to be motivated to have command and uh, have power, and women um, are kind of like conditioned. I'm not saying that they don't necessarily want it, but it's almost as if their conditioning in society means that they almost balk at the idea of being given any sort of like a uh, autonomy in this world where might makes right apparently, and you have to scheme and be manipulative and cunning. Well, you say that as if you know men are the ones that sort of would naturally feel drawn to power, but right at the end of the book, of course, um, we'll all remember. Yes. Um, yeah, they all. They, push away. Yeah, they, they get op- they get offered this opportunity for uh, a promotion, and they all turn it down. And then eventually, D'Artagnan, who originally that was what he was looking for, mm. and then actually he was sort of not really wanting it, but then ended up taking it because someone had to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of reluctance there, and That's so a very interesting again, one. it's sort of when faced with the realities of greater power, mm. they are struck by the realities of the greater responsibility. Okay. It's very so much the Spider-Man pr- uh, paradox. So is this more a um, general comment of how Dumas thinks about the notion of power itself? Um, we all know that phrase, absolute power corrupts absolute. Can I ask you a question, Jim? Yeah. Are we supposed to speak for this dead man? Uh, yeah. I don't know what he I thinks. Think, I think, I think, no, no, what I think this, what he's written has become a window into... I mean, he wouldn't have written this unless he wanted to express no, himself in some way. All right. I think I think I feel I feel that we can make a commentary on how he might have felt about power just purely by some of the books that he's written. No, I was being uh, facetious. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Although I think in your uh, facetiousness, I think you br- you bring up a, a very good point, which is uh, what's known, I think, in the in literary circles as the death of the author. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. frankly, when we're discussing a book, we don't give a shit what the author thought. Mm-hmm. We just go by the text mm-hmm. and what the, we can learn from the text. It doesn't matter what. Duma wanted or what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. What matters is what he wrote and what we can take from that. Doesn't that usually reveal more about the readership rather than the story itself? Well, uh, isn't that the beauty of art? Hmm. I've never really thought about it that way. So basically, all art is just an excuse to look at yourself. Yes. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. Huh. Never really thought about it that way. Seems kind of masturbatory, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And this is why um, uh, one thing I was going to plug at the end of the podcast, but I might as well mention it now, is I'm actually being commissioned uh, to do a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An exhibition. Ah, uh, an exhibition at the Tate Modern. Oh, wow. And uh, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go around the Tate and take down all of the pictures mm-hmm. and replace all of them with mirrors. Mm. Mm. Okay, okay. You see, just... Because Ooh, you know what is art? Hey? Is yeah. art. Yeah. 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 Take, art? take a look at yourself. Yeah, yeah. and make that change. Exactly. Uh, I, man in the mirror. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Or, or um, it's, it's a universal. Yeah. Universal. But I, 
Okay, so if art is a mirror, and that's a point that has been made many times before... Not, Are you saying not, I'm unoriginal? No, 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 I mean... You're saying my work is derivative. I would say there's no such thing as an original thought, Ben. So I wouldn't worry about it. He is um, saying I'm derivative. Mm. Um, it's not so yeah, many words. What do we mean by derivative? I mean, my work is derived from the thoughts and work of others. Yeah, what isn't? The Three Musketeers? Yeah, that was... We already established it was derived from... Oh, it was an absolute rip-off. Historical right? yeah. documents. The first, so. first human... Um, came from monkeys. Adam, Adam. Yeah, came from monkeys. Huh? Came from... Yeah, but, but it was his own art. Right? He would have... He would have drawn something. What do you think he drew? Huh? And where'd that come from? His own <laughs> cock. He ripped off his own cock. So basically, <laughs> God is the source of all creativity. Yeah, I think that's where it comes from. If you follow it, it is. Now, you see... I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys over there. That's yeah. a difficult one to answer because... Um, but then what created God? Yeah, oh. exactly. exactly, man. Exactly. We, look, we're never going to get the answer to this. We're never going to get an answer to this. But, but could we try? Okay. <laughs> I'm willing if you are. Like, let's solve this question once and for all on this it, show. It's interesting because one of the main antagonists in this book is the is the cardinal. Yes. And so, you know, setting up the church and therefore religion and God, uh, God's self mm. as mm. the baddie. I mean, Cardinal Richelieu is depicted as a bit of a corrupt person who it's suggested is only like, I'm trying to create this war between France and Britain and undermine uh, the Queen uh, because the Queen rebuffed his advances. So it's all about the sex again. Sex and power running rampant within the world of the Three Musketeers. I mean, it is a French book, so I, I don't know why we're surprised. But um, yeah, it's... There's a lot of people sleeping with other people. There's a lot of like um, infidelities. D'Artagnan, the hero, actually sleeps with his landlord's wife mm-hmm. uh, at one point. And it's just like, cool, whatever. Uh, the queen's unhappiness in her marriage, Louis the uh, 13th, uh, 14th rather. And it suggests that she's probably carrying on behind his back as well with like uh, the, the, uh, with somebody in Duke Spain. of Buckingham, isn't it? I, I don't know if it's a Duke. I can't remember if it's a Duke of Buckingham, but somebody from Spain, maybe. I don't know. And in any case, I've read this book. Um, in any case, like there's a lot of hanky panky going on behind the scenes. Um, this is not what I would have, uh, I, I don't know whether this is, is Dumas being true to the period of the time or necessarily, uh, sexing everything up to make it more romantic or sensationalist? Or is this, if anything, um, an unsanitized view of history? I think in any work of fiction, mm. you know, plagiarized or not, mm. there's a, there's a, there's a license to be creative with what you're retelling. So maybe people had sex in France back in the 16th century, whatever, we don't know. We assume it because more people it's came true. after them. It's true. I, I assume they had sex. Yeah. I assume. So maybe in his story, you know, it's a condensed version of that. So that's why there's more of it mm. to highlight how much sex was actually going on at around the same time. Right, right, right. I so, mean, yeah. I mean, do, do you think of this as a sexy book though? Is this a sexy book? We've got men in tights and yeah. women in corsets. Swashbuckling. Swashbuckling. Mm. Mm, romance mm. Mm. swashbuckling and unbuckling if you know what I mean that's, that's a very good point that's a very good point I mean at some point I wonder if um, I wonder if we've been sold a lie in terms of all these different adaptations that we've had over the years 
because uh, I'd never thought of the Three Musketeers as being um, so full of like rampant infidelity and sex um, from the adaptations that I've seen, especially um, the children and the fact that it's become a beloved children's. Class. I was going to say there there were no orgies in Albert the Fifth Musketeer that I spotted. I didn't. Really? I mean, that sounded pretty suggestive when you stuffed that musket with a bolognese sauce. Sounded like there was something going on there. So maybe it was all metaphorical. They took the sex and made it into a sort of. So instead of like Bukaki, it's like Bolognese and everywhere. Sure. Know. Okay. That's somebody's, I'm sure that's somebody's bag though. I'm sure that somebody's into that sort of thing. Food porn, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like I mean, not, not in the sort of metaphorical sense, but actual pornography with food. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, I'm sure that happens. And yeah. I'm sure that was like, it, it floats somebody's boat. Uh, but I just don't understand how it's become such a, Beloved children's classic, though. I mean, I grew up with, like, I'm reading about the Three Musketeers. It's the adventure aspect of it. Yeah. Mm, maybe. M- maybe. I mean, it's maybe. The guns, right? It's it's guns, guns. Um, swords. Heroes. There's a villain. Mm, yeah. So you might not know all the details as a child, but yeah. you see the main things that kids like right. and gravitate towards those themes and ideas. Pretending you're somebody else and then trick somebody to sleep with you. I might have seen that and think, like, huh. That's just like in Revenge of the Nerds. You know, that movie where like where's Darth Vader mask yeah. and sleeps with that woman. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's it was played for laughs. I don't yeah. I don't have seen it for me. But yeah, no that, Revenge of the Nerds. A lot like Three Musketeers in the same way. I think this all links back to something you said right at the beginning was that the way that this book has seeped into the cultural consciousness. Mm. And one of the things we were saying about the kids' adaptations, it's all the stories and the adaptations that the children are consuming. Very few sort of five-year-olds are reading a 700-page French novel. Mm, mm, mm. Um, That's very true. That's very true. Uh, and so, uh, and so, like, it, while the book is obviously the original source, it's sort of uh, been adapted in a way. It's just, just like the way that not many kids these days read, you know, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Mm, they watch mm, the Disney films mm. because they're the ones with the Copper dancing eyes. teapots. And so, I mean, it, it seems, it's interesting you say that because like, you, you never know what's going to be popular with kids. And in fact, there know. was a Disney version of this, I think, with the, with the Mouseketeers. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. Three Mouseketeers. Oh, that was the Mickey Mouse fan club. Sure. Yeah. They weren't actually Musketeers. They were like, they wore them. They were Mouseketeers. It was just a fan club. It wasn't a story. They didn't try to destabilize like relations with like Britain and France or anything that we know of. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, through yeah, the music, possibly. messaging, probably, yeah, yeah. possibly, subliminal. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think they were allowed to carry weapons of any sort either. But you know that song, uh, that all their songs were weapons in themselves. M I C K E Y M O U S E Mickey Mouse. It's hellish. The biggest stars in the world come, came from there. Justin yeah. Timberlake. Yeah. Britney That's Spears. a good point. They were all Mouseketeers. Yeah. And now look at what they've done to the country. Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about Brexit, but yeah. Okay. No, Brexit okay. is solely Britney Spears. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. How is did it, she cause Brexit? Is it any uh, surprise that, or, you know, it, it, can it be a coincidence mm. that she has just started touring the uh, the UK again for the first time in years oh, and years is. and years? What, what now two years after Brexit Now we're so close to Brexit happening, she suddenly feels comfortable. So yeah. how did Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears influence Brexit? Um... Well, just to bear that song, uh, Crimea, a river. Yeah. I mean, as you know, Crimea was annexed by yeah. Russia quite, quite 
recently. So Crimea River. Yeah, yeah. was that? It's, it's actually about Crimea. Co- it's actually a coded message to Vladimir Putin to interfere with um, and with Cambridge Analytica as well to kind of interfere with. Okay, break results. it down. Break it down. The, break down the code in Crimea River. That was a secret message to Vladimir Putin. What do you think he was uh, saying? I mean, the song goes. Yeah, you do, don't do, have yeah. to say. Yeah, no, no, but as in, that's, that just sounds like a random assortment of code. Right? But if you're a Russian uh, troll bot, mm-hmm. then that actually is the kind of like activation code. And uh, what was the uh, what was the start. message? Interfere. Then, yeah, interfere with uh, British foreign affairs. Okay, yeah. that song came out like in two thousand and one, I think. It's long, yeah, 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 yeah. Long, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. If you did it in two thousand sixteen, I don't even yeah. think Vladimir Putin was in power at the time. Well, oh, wait, he was in part. Of, he was in the KGB then. Right? Fair yeah. enough. No, no, that's fair so enough. Like, that's fair enough. Why else do you think that the current political situation is as it's been described many times as toxic? Exactly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And then Trump. It's toxic. Yeah. We're slipping under. Exactly. Okay. And then okay. when when and she also you know Trump happened after right after Brexit and yeah. and then Britney Spears said oops I did it again. Like, yeah. Well, actually that song came way before Big that happened. Song, song come. Like, yeah, but uh, it's, again, it's like it's not like she, long, long she didn't re-release the song, especially after like. Trump got elected because she thought now's the time for me to re-release my hit song from 1998. Oops, I did it again. Uh, just well, after Trump getting him, her hit song was "Hit Me, Baby, One More Time." <laughs> yeah. That was the, yeah, that's yeah. true, actually. So, which one was also it? encouraging violence? Yeah, exactly. true, but that has nothing to do with like, like that's beside the point. Encouraging violence doesn't necessarily mean it was uh, that helped Brexit happen. I think he makes some good points, but I, like all these songs that you. Like mentioned, happened years before Brexit or Trump happened. Right? And well, you know, this is this goes back decades because, like, this because they're all in the Mickey Mouse Club. It's all, I mean, Walt Disney, well known anti Semite. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, look at what's happening in the Labour Party right now. Yeah. Are you saying that Walt Disney is somehow controlling what's happening in the Labour Party? Yes, I'm wow. saying that Walt Disney is responsible for all of the current world ills. Mm-hmm. All of them. Or, yeah, or mm, every single one. Trace back to him, probably, yeah. 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 I don't know. Well, they do have a, a lot of influence on the culture at the moment. They own everything. Uh, but they seem kind of, um, uh, you know... You know, there's that rumour about him getting, you know, cryogenically frozen. Yes, that's true. Because yeah. he's caused global warming. And he wanted to make sure he was nice and cool. So that's why, not so he could live forever, just so he could, his corpse could be cool whilst the, well, uh, well, you know, melted. when, when he, if and when he were res- resurrected, right. he would, you know, be chill. Okay. All right. Super short. But that yeah. seems to suggest that he's never going to be, uh, unfrozen if the whole point is that, like, he wants to be cool whilst global warming's happening. Look. We're not experts in the workings of Fair Walt Disney's enough. mind. Fair enough. I mean, this country's fed up with experts as well. Yeah, yeah that's mm. true. Isn't that what, um, that's, that's a Justin Timberlake song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And everybody's fed up of experts. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, well, you've done a very convincing job outlining the, uh, the Mouseketeer Club and their influence in world events. I'm not sure how this still relates to the book, but, uh, uh, Mouseketeers, right? Yeah. Mouseketeers, okay. Yeah. But the Mouseketeers, they, they, like you said, they, that's the whole point of the Musketeers. They uh, reject power. They walk away from it all. Uh, the book actually, I mean, I'd say the book doesn't really have that much of a happy ending. But at the end, D'Artagnan gets what he wants, but he's lost the woman that he loves, Constance, who was poisoned by Milady. Milady gets executed, uh, which is 
what a way to go. She's basically been screwed over by everybody. Um, and, um, is beheaded and Richelieu kind of like uh, is relieved because she's become a bit of a problem. Uh, and everybody agrees that we're just going to move on. Aramis is going to join the priesthood. Athos quits the musketeers and Porthos, um, also decides that this isn't, he's not cut for this life. They don't want the job. Dog Tony takes the job, gets a promotion, but isn't everything he, he's got everything he wants, but he's lost everything that has any meaning. The friendship is kind of dissolved in some ways. It's not a very happy ending, is it? It's well, realistic. It's a French novel. Mm, fair enough. There are some yeah. French novels with happy endings, aren't there? Are there? Name Tint? No, Tintin's Belgium. Yeah. yeah. Asterix? Yeah. Asterix? The Gaul? They always have happy endings. Then they get invaded by Romans. Yeah, but the whole point is that they don't, they beat the Romans. They beat them off because of uh, the uh, uh, magic potion. Can you add more to that? Yeah. Like, um, the Romans come along, uh, and they're saying, like, um, oi, we want your land. And they said, nuh-uh-uh, drink the magic potion, beat them off. I'm not sure Asterix counts as a novel. Okay. All right. Fine. Like, if you want to get very pernickety about it, it's not a novel because it's got pictures and everything. But, uh, it's a literature. It's still literature. Oh, yeah. I'm not denying it's cultural importance. It's still worse than pictures. Okay. Uh, okay. I-, I can give you, like, uh, uh, Camus. Camus, the stranger. That's like, that's got a happy ending. Never heard of him. You know, the outsider. Yeah, strange. Albert Camus. This is a book. Yeah, this is a book. A stranger. A stranger. You know what I'm talking about. Was that you? the fifth musketeer? Albert Camus. Albert Camus was the fifth musketeer. Oh, okay. That's why it had such a happy ending. And then you get to the last page of the book, it's just covered in bolognese sauce. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Um, look, he was a fun guy, right? And I think... People, well, there's mushrooms in the bolognese. There's loads of loads of mushrooms in the bolognese. Obviously, you can't have a good mushroom ragu like without like a bolognese ragu without some mushrooms in there. Gives it flavour. I think like there's a stereotype for French novelists to be miserable and dour, and that's not true at all. That's not true at all. There's a happy ending um, to be found in most French novels. I just don't think the Fr- Three Musketeers necessarily is emblematic of that. I think like you like uh, Fitzet. Possibly more realistic. Yeah. Possibly this is the way it would all shape up in yeah. the real world. And since this is based on historical events, why not? Um, but my question is, do you think of The Three Musketeers as a building's roman? Uh, for those of you who do not, do not know a building's roman is, and we're going to the po- point uh, of the show where I uh, describe an actual literary term. Building's roman is a type of book which um, usually charts the, uh, the growth of a young man coming of age in some ways. Uh, famous buildings romans are Great Expectations, David Copperfield. The Colosseum. The Colosseum? It's a, build, a Roman building. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. A Roman building. Okay. Um, yes. Good one. Um, but yes. Uh, the point I was trying to make was uh, it is a book uh, which is a coming of age novel. Is The Three Musketeers a building's roman? From D'Artagnan's perspective, yes. Is it D'Artagnan's, D'Artagnan's story? D'Artagnan, yeah. Um, I, I think so. He starts off the story and he ends the story, so technically it's his story. Okay. Yeah. That's all his work. I mean, that's, that's very true. Yeah, it has a start and an ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so what lessons, if any, does um, D'Artagnan learn? How has he grown as a person from the... Uh, uh, the snot-nosed kid at the beginning to the um, slightly uh, sad, wistful, older man that he is at the end. Life's tough. 
Lifestyle. And that, you know, we pursue something that we really want and we think we want. But once we get it, it's not necessarily the thing we thought it was going to be. Okay. It's a good lesson for anybody to learn, really. That's a, that's a good lesson. What yeah. about bros before hoes? Uh, I mean, all the women did die. A woman so, is executed. Yeah. Uh, uh, your, your mate's ex-wife is executed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, it, I mean, I, I remember that scene that after the, like, um, Athos's ex-wife, Milady, is executed, they all high-five each other. And Athos is like, going, ha-ha, they have to pay child support anymore. Am I right, There fellas? was a baby involved. Yeah. And they're all dressed up as, like, Spider-Man, Superman, hanging out outside the town hall as well. Yeah. Right? For some reason, I'm not sure why, but um, yeah, they high fived each other and then they said, like, Yeah, bros before hoes, am I right? And they said, Yeah, you're not wrong, one for all, an awful one, unless you're a woman. And then, so you think it's that book against women? I don't think it has a particularly charitable view on women, no, yeah. for those reasons that I've just outlined, yeah, yeah, those yeah. scenes which seemed a bit gratuitous at the time. Um, but that's, I think, as a lesson you could probably take from the book, I'm not saying it's the right lesson, but it's a lesson that. Dark Tiny probably learnt at the end of this book. What about what, what do you think? Uh, are you pointing to Ben? I'm looking at you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of all, it's pronounced Bildung's Roman. It's a German. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think it's the Colosseum because I think. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, I, I think it is. Yeah, it's the coming of age story. I think it shows that um, you become a man when you have a gun. That's what you you need. You need arsenal to become, an arsenal. To become a man. Okay. I mean, and, and I think really they should legalize guns in this country. I mean, you, you, that's why we put the man children army in this country. Everybody's some pure old kids on Reddit and Instagram and all that kind of crap. Yeah, so like what we had guns, it, just just men. Just guns. men. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, women can't have guns because, as is immortalized in uh, the musical theater show Annie, get your gun. Yeah. You can't get a man with a gun. Exactly. In one yeah. of the songs. In okay. There. All right. I, I mean, that's from the woman's perspective. And from a man's perspective, you can always get a man with a gun. You can always get a man. Yeah. You can always get a man with a gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, my, I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Like, um, you think there's a crisis in masculinity right at the moment. Yeah. Um, possibly the best way to solve it is by giving all these men. Well, I mean, the, guns. Be- the, the best people with guns are like the best people that you should aspire to, like James Bond. Oh, yeah, the man with the golden gun. Well, he's a bad guy. Better. Yeah, yeah, but, he, but you would be still a proper bloke, right? He's not like a. He is a. He, they should have yeah. called it the bloke with the golden. And we're lads, guys. We've established. Yeah, yeah. 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 Scaramanga, proper lad. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Not, not a lad. Not a proper man. Kirk Cobain, because in that song he goes, "I don't have a gun." What a fucking yeah? That's a fucking wet lip. What happened to him though? Huh? What happened to Kirk Cobain? Okay, he becomes a man. That's the irony. He becomes a man. The minute he blows his head off, that's when he becomes Which is a man. very much the same. So the the story of Kurt Cobain's life is very much the story of D'Artagnan. Is work, at the yeah. end he gets what he wants, but it's not everything it's cracked up to be. Exactly. Yeah. He has to make sacrifices. Wow. Okay. That's a that's an interesting interpretation. Can I ask a question quickly? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Do you add um, sound effects for all the nodding? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's been going unnoticed. There's a lot of nodding going on. I feel like people at home. Just going to assume that I haven't agreed. Or just, <laughs> I don't know how they're going to differentiate between. I could add sound effects for it. What would you like um, as a sound effect? Just so like it's a visual cue in people's minds, or a musical cue, sound cue that people. Maybe know. it's like I a, suppose you go with like the, the nodding dog. You do the Churchill or yeah, yeah. yeah. so every time something nods. Or maybe it's slightly squeaking. It's like it's got to be something faint in the background, like a metronome almost. 
People know and not happen and not happen and not happen. Or just put or a tally at the end and just say in this episode of Faking It, mm-hmm. there were a thousand nods. Just that's, true. That's, true. Yeah. that's very true. I mean, like myself personally, I'm very aware of the audio format. So whenever I agree, nod in agreement, I usually add uh, for emphasis of so maybe, yeah. Okay. Well, we're all on the same page, fellas. Guns for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be like Dark Tanyan too. Dissatisfied at the end of the book. But are we? Uh, all- is that the right lesson that we want to be giving everybody? In fact, what you just said, of, of course, uh, he ends the novel dissatisfied, yeah. and yet the beginning of the novel, everyone's charging around demanding satisfaction. They yes. are, aren't they? They're and so- none of them get it. None of them get it. That's a grand irony of it. Um, wow, that's gone full circle. We've, we have gone full circle. Um, I, I, I think we're going to the point that I want to ask everybody to summarise their thoughts on Three Musketeers. Did you like this book? Did you enjoy it? Let's go around the table. Sign with you, Fitz. I did, did enjoy like this book. It's one of my favourite stories, uh, mainly because it gave Richard Chamberlain a role in the 1970s adaptation. Oh, yeah. I remember those. I remember those. And I'm a big Richard Chamberlain fan. So if this book didn't exist, he never would have got a chance to um, play one of the characters. Which one did he play again? One of the characters. Who did he play? One of the characters. Okay, all right. Yeah. One of the characters. You played one of the characters. You played the main one. Out of three. <laughs> but I do like the but I do like the element of even though they were establishment, they were they seemed like they weren't they seemed cool. Mm. Which I don't think many people in establishment come off as cross as cool. No, and they um, they managed to do it. Yeah. So for that, tip my hat to them. Mm. Yeah, it makes monarchy Cool. Yeah, which, which is, is yeah, almost impossible. Baffling. Yeah. yeah. For the viewers at home, there's so much vigorous nodding going on at this table right now. So, Alexander, so many good points. Alexander Duma is the Meghan Markle of. Yeah, oh, there's an anti nod there. I think it's. Yeah. Well, <laughs> an, yes, an anti nod. In other words, a shaking. Is this a reflection on how you feel about Meghan Markle or how you feel about Alexander? Or just no, the terminology? Modern monarchy could ever be made cool. Just, she's not a musketeer, is it? That's true. We don't have musketeers. She was on a TV show. That's true. I was on a TV show once. Which TV show was that? I was on a TV show. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Which one? Crime Watch? <laughs> on a TV show. Is it Crime Watch with the dogs thing? Was it? TV's TV. Okay. All right. All Streaming right. services and Netflix. You know. I'm just saying that like, you know, the, the dogs thing might have gotten you more notoriety than fame. Well, if they don't have my actual face and it's just like a blank screen with a question mark. Okay. Is it me? That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you for your for your thoughts on that. Glad, so, glad so one thumbs up. One thumbs up. Ben, what do you think of this? Uh, the Three Musketeers. Um, well, I, as I said, the adaptation I and translation I chose to engage with was uh, Albert, the Fifth Musketeer, um, <laughs> which I thoroughly enjoyed. It was a lot of fun. Um, but after this discussion, I am looking forward to really engaging with. Uh, I might read it in the original French. Oh, now. Um, because with all of the, you know, as we said, the, uh, the cartoon sort of takes out a lot of the, the sex and the violence. And mm. so I'm looking forward to. Took out the accents as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't speak with French accents in Albert, the fifth musketeer that much. No, only on the name Albert. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they all, they all sounded really British. It was weird. Oh. So yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the three musketeers, or as I call it, Albert after dark. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it does sound like um, Albert's, like, I don't know, is it a sequel or a prequel? 
That's really a prequel, really, doesn't it? Uh, it's a midquel. Midquel. Okay. It, okay. it happens towards the end of the book, but mm. not. But uh, Milady's not dead yet. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, do you think Malbert made it out of the intrigue in One Piece, or was he also? ended up dissatisfied and like um, unhappy like the rest of the musketeers well the thing about Albert uh, compared to all the other musketeers is he had a lot more access to spaghetti bolognese mm-hmm. um, which no, makes French. anyone happy so he just went off and started his own Italian restaurant in the, uh, the, the, the sure yeah. okay alright so it's a thumbs up from you for the musketeers okay yeah. Harren what do you think of the book uh, yeah I, I always give it a thumbs up um yeah, Alexander Dumas. Uh, yeah, Duma, yeah. Duma, uh, like, Duma. actually, I thought you know he's going to be thick, but it actually was the opposite. It's like kind of nominative indeterminism. It's mm. a very smart book, a very clever book. Um, terms, uh, you've studied literature. I mm. kind of like the liter- the kind of literary mechanisms he used. He used a lot of um, kind of pathos and bathos. No, it was porthos. Oh shit! I was porthos and athos. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, I was going to say he, he literally used pathos and bathos. Quite a lot. I mean, mm. kind of, even as she explicitly writes it in the book. Okay, okay. Oh shit, maybe, yeah, maybe he's not a. He's maybe, uh, yeah, I've, I've changed that as time comes down then, sorry. I just thought he was very smart and like, yeah. I think he is smart. Because uh, I just. He yeah. is smart. I mean, he's used those, like, uh, he, he, he outsmarted you, the smartest man in, like, that chair. Yeah. And you are a smart man. Well, I mean, I wrote a book and it was just like, uh, oh, uh, you know, oh, postmodernism, oh, uh, Pathetic fallacy, yeah, old yeah, yeah. rhyming couplet, and uh-huh, I thought uh-huh. that was pretty good because I put all the literary mechanisms in there, like yeah. James Joyce would have done. Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, got it. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what you're. No, so it was originally good, and unfortunately, with Ben's addendum here, um, to, your friend Ben. Yeah, my friend Ben was uh, friend, your good friend Ben. Um, I'm gonna have to change the thumbs down actually because yeah. because he outwitted you. No, because I, I I kind of. Gave uh, Dumas too much credence, basically. So. Why did you give him too much credence? Because I thought he was he was he put he infused it with pathos and bathos. Yeah, and he, did, he, and he made he? it explicit. But no, he apparently it was just the terms porthos and athos. Yeah. Oh, what? I still think that those are like a manifestations of the pathos that he's. It's like Inside Out, you know, where happiness and joy and sadness are uh, are characters. Yeah. Pathos and bathos are characters so within this book. Porthos mm-hmm. is the anthropomorphized. Pathos. Yeah. Oh wow! It's just ah. like Inside Out. Oh, I'm gonna go. Sorry, exactly sorry like uh, my friend out. Ben, my now fiend Ben, but like I think I'm gonna have to side with you, Jim. This. Oh yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, you're with me. He put it on a nice bowl. Really. Okay, yeah. Well, then, if that's the case, then yeah. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I mean, like this is something good because I really loved. I, I loved uh, this book as well. I like. Like Harren, I loved the way that Dumas used all these literary techniques, like words and sentences, um, and put them together to make a story. I mean, that's just, that's my favorite. Um, I also loved, uh, the, uh, the, the historical accuracy of this book. It was just, mm, if you ever want to get a sense of what it was like to live in front, in Paris, uh, in the 1600s, you just pick up this book. Pick up this book. You can smell the streets. You can. You, it feels like I was a French person for a while. Um, oh, sorry. I meant to say I dropped your copy of the book down the loo. Oh, okay. Mm. And um, the Louvre in. Uh, and the Louvre <laughs> down the Louvre, and you flushed it, yeah. and that's why my copy smells of smells like feces. Yeah. Uh, okay, sorry for us. I mean, you know what? 
doesn't even doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter because I still feel that's accurate. I don't. I feel that a lot of people in the sixteen hundreds wouldn't have washed back then. It would have been a bit of a cesspit back then. That's fine. You had to get by on your character even more back then. Mm. Um, and and for, for for a while after reading this book, I was wearing stripy jumpers and wearing a wreath of like a, of onions around my neck, like some sort of Gallic Mister T. And then, and just shrugging at everything, shrugging and smoking a gaulois. It, it wore off eventually, as you can see from my, um, my voice now. I'm not speaking like a character from Alo anymore, which is what I was doing for a while. Kind of insensitive, some people were saying, but it's fine. It's fine. I just said, I've read some Dumas, get some education. So, um, I love this book. I love this book so much. And because, it's received the uh, a unanimous decision from all of us. It means it goes into the Faking Lit Hall of Fame. Play us out. Hall of Fame! Let me show! It's the Hall! Hall of Fame! <laughs> Yes, that's the um, the new Hall of Fame song. Nice um, that this podcast now has a female character. <laughs> it's true. That's the only fem- woman that's been on this episode so far. It's been very broy, I have to say. Lads, um, lads. Yeah, laddish, laddish. Look, we all love this book, but that doesn't mean it's perfect, does it? I mean, there's always room for improvement. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the part of the show where I ask you to give me your ideas of how you would have improved the Three Musketeers in the section that we call Notes. If I can find the stupid song. Have a good think about your notes. Just something down. Maybe relax. Smoke a gold wine. Shrug at something. Eat some cheese. Have a bottle of wine. Do that. Do pain. Du bon Notes, everybody. Let's start from the other way around. Aaron, how would you have improved Les Trois Musketeers? Uh, let's, um, yeah, I would have, um, I would have, um, instead of setting it in a city of light, I would have uh, set it actually closer to the, to the natural light, so in space. Does that make sense? <laughs> like near the sun, basically, in space. Uh Bear with me, right? So then, uh, and instead you're, of, you're gonna have to dumb this down. Yeah, so I'll, I'll set it in space instead of France, and instead of having um, D'Artagnan, I would have his evil cousin D'Artagnan. And then, and then, what would happen is I would get Buzz Aldrin, the second man of space, a second man in the moon, mm. to go up and kind of assassinate D'Artagnan. Mm. And then, when he's in space, he kind of gets this kind of epiphany, and he realizes that life is all great, and we're all just one, and we should all be nice to each other. And then he goes back down to Earth, and then he goes down to the CEO of SpaceX and goes, look, mate, you're a bit of a narcissist, and um, yeah, you're not as smart as you think you are. And that makes the CEO of SpaceX cry. Three kind of saline tears. Mm-hmm. And I would call this book Three Musky Tears. Okay. I mean, you're, you're going to have to dumb it down still a bit more, because like, I don't. I, I, it feels like a lot of ideas are flying over my head. Is there any way you could dumb that down more? me huh? um, well, yeah so like Elon Musk mm-hmm. cries still sounds three, too clever three tears. can you dumb it down even more and then he calls him a pedophile at the okay. end can you dumb it down even more it still seems a bit like complicated to me um, 
No, I can't talk to anymore. Okay, all right. So that's just gibberish. Though. Um, okay. Um, interesting though. Not sure how, like the um, setting of. Uh, yeah, I think Elon Musk needs to be taken down with it. Like he just thinks like he's got a good PR among kind of millennials, but mm-hmm. he's a bit, he's a bit of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, he's still a modern day entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He's only motivated by profit. I think uh, Alexander Dumas should have predicted this and written about it. Can you dumb that down more for me? <laughs> And I can't lie. <laughs> I just have trouble understanding. Oh, fair enough. So you can't dumb it down for me? No. Okay, all right. Moving on. Ben, how would you improve this book? Um, well, as we've discussed, it, this novel does have a bit of a problem with women. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm going to take my inspiration from uh, a play version of this I saw recently, which I thought did this other, did something very interesting, which was they made D'Artagnan a woman. Um, mostly by making the main character but obviously set in the same world where women weren't able to become musketeers so she had to dress up as a man and pretend to be a man Um, uh, and then obviously but then everything else was sort of the same and so she still fell in love with a woman and then that woman had to realise that actually she was probably bisexual because she'd fallen in love with a woman dressed as a man and it was all. But she, so is in that case, she pretended to be two, like, is it a double disguise? Because in that scene, um, with Milady, D'Artagnan pretends to be someone else in order to trick Milady into sleeping with, with him. In this case, if, if, if the woman did that, she would be engaging in a double subterfuge. Yes. I mean, that, which is fine, because once you do two subterfuges, that scene they wasn't each other out. That scene wasn't in the play. Um, oh, okay. So I, I'd have to do a bit of thought about that. I mean, to, as I think, you know, if we're trying to make this book fairer on women, mm. I think that scene is probably one that could probably go okay. generally. Could you dumb it down for me a little? Uh, D'Artagnan mm-hmm. hides her tits. Mm, it's pretty dumb. But I think it could still sound a bit more dumb. Like if you were gonna go, duh, Tanyan, duh, tit, duh, book. Sure. Uh, okay. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. So I think that this novel should be able to be summarised by the phrase, "Women, eh?" So I, I think yeah. I think that uh, sums it up quite nicely. Oh, I buy that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of a scene in um, Beverly Hills Cop 2 where uh, the character of Taggart is uh, seen having struggles with his uh, ex-wife and going for a messy divorce. And at the very, his moment, heroic moment comes when he um, guns down uh, Bridget Nielsen in the back uh, with a shotgun and then walks into frame and says, There's Women. been a murder! <laughs> well, no, not that Taggart. <laughs> Oh, that tiger. Oh. That would have been also quite funny. But no, he, he says, women, huh? And the whole film seems to predicate that he's finally exorcised the demon of having to deal with the messy divorce of his ex-wife by murdering a woman. So that was the 80s for you. That was the 80s for you. Gosh. That's what, that's what the phrase women, huh? Always reminds me of. Anyway, thank you for your note, um, Ben. Uh, Fitz, how would you have improved the three musketeers? I think I would have added the six musketeers. Wow. Okay. Are you are you just getting ambitious now, though? I think six would have made it a bit more exciting because uh-huh, uh-huh. then that way there's always going to be uh, an extra one to wisecrack 
There wasn't oh. a wisecracking. No, there isn't a wisecracker, is there? There's not a comic There's a fat relief. one, depressive one, mm-hmm. um, a religious one, a uh, Bolognese eating one, mm. one who's possibly got weird sexual uh, boundaries he needs to deal with, one. Okay. And then there's no wisecracking one. There's no wisecracking one. What was you... Okay, so you got a wisecracking one. Um, what was your name in wisecracking one? Probably like Tom or something. It's a classic wisecracking name. Okay, okay. He's just right. saying shit like, oh man, this is weird. So, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. Yeah, he's always like, this is weird. <laughs> hey. Like, well, how would he talk? Would he talk like, uh, wouldn't that, uh, a different accent? Would he wear funny clothes? Would he have like a, a speech tick or something? No, he's just basically like really laid back. Mm-hmm. Like he's too cool to be a musketeer, but he is one. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, he gets involved when he needs to get involved mm-hmm. with wisecracks. Like at the end of the, the book, it would say stuff like, should have stayed at home. <laughs> That's classic. That's classic and, wisecrack. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And going, all the time. That's got to hurt yeah, when somebody gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. uh, uh, that's going to leave a stain, you know? Yeah. Yeah, saying to my lady, don't lose your head. Exactly. Oh. After. Yeah. And then at the end, he goes, here we go again. Yeah. Then he turns the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so well. if you were going to put all those um, six musketeers in a human centipede, which order would you put them in? Uh, well, it doesn't really matter because it's a human centipede. Well, you're talking about human centipede, we don't join the two ends at the... Well, we could have. Well, that would be pointless. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a top and pointless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like the game show where, uh, um, <laughs> like, have a guy. Like, with, uh, was, yeah, and then um, they're all sort together with, uh, um, what's his name? Um, Alexander Armstrong at the head, obviously because he's a host and he just passes fecal matter for uh, all the uh, contestants. Just like human sense be pointless. Just like human. Sorry, you were saying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Tom first because we need the wisecracks. And then probably, um, Pophos. Ooh. Last. Oh, because you don't want him wow. passing through no. and then the order in between well and then the fifth Albert will be fifth because of the Bolognese he's in a lot of Bolognese yeah. and you want to be conscientious too so Porthos's mouth will be sewn to Albert's yes, 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 yes I mean that's not too bad I mean Albert eats a lot of spaghetti Bolognese yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be fine yeah. and then the remaining three is whatever you want to do Tila's choice Tila's choice Tila's choice yeah after Tom anybody can go because Tom, you need Tom to say something like, like, this is weird. <laughs> you have to say that. You definitely have to say that, so. I'd read, I'd read that book. Yeah. But could you dumb it down for me? Uh, Tom says funny things. Okay, all right. Well, everybody, this has been a really rewarding discussion. I, I'm, I'm liking all these like versions of uh, the book. I feel if we combine them, why is Cracker... Uh, have a little bit more of Elon Musk there, and they go, they go into space for some reason, and uh, and then at the end of it, uh, Elon Musk turns to Thomas and goes, "Women, huh?" Because he's been divorced twice, uh, and that's that. That's a good book. That's a recipe for success. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining me for today's conversation. Um, I don't know if you've got anything you want to plug or anything. Just my exhibition with the uh, the Tate Modern. Tate Modern, check that. What's the name of the exhibition? Um, uh, here's looking at you. It's <laughs> fair enough. That's yeah. not bad. That's not a bad uh, title. Tom uh, came up with it. <laughs> Wisecracking Tom. <laughs> Wisecracking Tom. Um, uh, only thing I have to say is um, you can write to us at Faking Lit 
podcast at gmail.com if you've been affected by any of the issues on today's show. Uh, we've got the WordPress site. We've got the Facebook group. Like and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. All those good places you can get podcasts. Hey, write review. Uh, get It gets our profile. And once you want to share this show with everybody, it's been such a good use of everybody's time i think um but like it's been very enjoyable thank you so much for joining me and talking about the three musketeers uh until next time my name has been shinty keep supporting your local bookstores and libraries bye bye i love you